When it comes to the plant-based eating debate, there's more to consider than just healthy or unhealthy. Of course, we want to eat things that make us feel good and generate energy to keep us going, but there's also a major environmental component that drives a lot of people to a plant-focused diet. But you don't have to give up some of your faves entirely. Impossible Foods makes meat from plants. They're solving the meat problem with more meat. By creating delicious meat from plants that's better for you and the planet, Impossible lets you enjoy some of your favorite meaty products with a plant-based twist. Ground beef, homestyle meatballs, sausage patties, all made from plants. And that's just a few of their delicious and versatile options. No more tension between craving meat but not wanting to eat so much of it or sacrificing your carnivorous faves for your health. Indulge in nutrient-packed, plant-based goodness and feel good doing it. Check out impossiblefoods.com to see how you can help solve the meat problem with more meat. That's I-M-P-O-S-S-I-B-L-E-F-O-O-D-S.com. Welcome back to Not Another True Crime Podcast. I'm Sarah Levine. And I'm Danny Murphy. And Sarah, it's another week where I'm over us. I don't care about us right now. Let our listeners know why I don't care about us. Yes, we are not cool. Today, we're so excited to have the directors of BS High. Welcome. Thank you for getting us both into football, sort of. Yes. (laughs) You're welcome. <laughs> what, what was both of y'all's relationships with like the sport of football before diving into this? Like, were both of you like super fans, or were you kind of like, what is an interception? Like, what is what was the energy going in on that regard? And I think interception is a term that is used for football. <laughs> I mean, I've been following football my whole life, so I'm okay. very familiar with high school football, college football, the NFL. I think it's a different type, kind of football for Martin. Yeah, no, it's, it's not football, as far as I'm concerned, I'm afraid. Uh, we, football is the game that we play in the rest of the world with our feet and a circular object, but we'll let that one go. Uh, no, so for me, like I could tell the story was crazy because based on what I know about uh, football, about American football, I could tell that this was a crazy game. You know what I mean? Like the, the just from watching the highlights and watching the, the kids run into each other when they were trying to catch a ball or trying to kick the ball back down the field and hitting their own team in the back of the head. And like I was watching this and I was like, this is this isn't very good, is it? <laughs> it, it immediately was more than sports just from as soon as we were exposed to the story. And it's so hard too with like athletes in high school. It's such an important thing for them to focus on and develop like like they devote their life to it because that's kind of the opportunity for them to then go to college and then you go to the college that it's like you're in the great league and then you could play pro and everything like that so it's kind of really some of the most precious years for anybody who wants to do the sport to do it well and do it in a place where they think they can thrive and I feel that was one of the most like infuriating parts of this documentary for me to watch was to see these kids who like had what they thought was like a golden ticket to their future and it was completely a dupe. Absolutely. That was what just captivated us immediately. It's like, I mean, not just for an athlete, anybody who's 17, 18, 19 years old, remember how much, how much longer every year lasts when you're in your teenage years, right? How, how you know, if like someone explained to me once that, you know, like opportunity in life is like a pyramid, you know what I mean? You get smaller and smaller every year. It's not that you get less opportunity necessarily, but you get like less width of it, you know? And I think when you're young, it's so much opportunity and such a, so much of your direction of your life is being shaped in those few years that for us, that was the most kind of wild thing that people were taking kids in these places and treating that time so cavalierly, you know, without thought, without regard for the scope of impact it was having on these poor kids. 
And are there any positive updates that we didn't get to at the end with some of the kids? Yeah, there's a few. Mario, who's in the film, he's playing college football right now. He just got a New York Times article written about him, which is super exciting. Trillian, uh, who's the quarterback, who features in it a lot. He's also currently uh, playing with the team. And uh, JD, uh, Justin, who ends the film ends with a, a video a uh, music video of him recording his song about his time at BSI. His his music career has been going really well uh, ever since the film came out. So yeah, a lot of the guys are doing really well right now. And and also Pahoki, um, who's in the film. Uh, we set up a GoFundMe when to come out with the premiere, and it's been a huge success. So he's uh, on his way to go to college as well. So it's been a lot of. That was kind of one of our main hopes was that we could, from all the madness that these kids you know, kind of went through, which we should probably talk a little bit about for your for your listeners. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> because obviously hearing that a bunch of random kids, good good things are happening for them is, it's sweet, but I think you need to understand how awful what was dumped on them was to appreciate that almost. It's you know? sweet, but it's how, you know, your accent is so charming because when you hear like a great thing happen <laughs> to someone, I'm recording in New Jersey. If you're like, oh my God, this happened. I'm like, why the fuck do I care? <laughs> you're like, no, you want to care because after watching this documentary, you're like, you almost feel like they were painted into a corner where you're like, what, how can anything come from like this story that you're like, how is there a happy ending for any of them because of what was dealt to them? So to our listeners who haven't maybe checked out the documentary yet, or they're not as familiar with the story, can you guys kind of like talk about how you first heard about it? Like from your, like from both of your ends to be like, what made you first like look at this story and realize, oh, there are, there's more to uncover here or it's a story that needs to be told. I saw it when it was happening in real time and when Twitter was having like the time of their lives with it and just kind of enjoying the fun that everybody else is enjoying of what we thought the story was on the surface and how everyone was just making fun of this, this team and the coach and everything that had been happening. And we had talked about it just as a thing that was happening because it was like everywhere. I might've at the time tweeted, like I hope the documentary about this movie is called BSI or something like that. And Manifestation online. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and it's sort of, it, I get, it fell right into our laps, which was completely unexpected because we had no idea. We weren't even thinking about, we weren't trying to make a movie about it or anything like that. It just kind of came to us through one of Martin's friends. And I think, you know, to, to step back even, even more, a little, you know, to really give some context here, you know, it was about just a little over two years ago. It was the, Bishop Sycamore, BS High, was the internet story of the day, kind of almost for, you know, almost made it a week, you know, which these days is a lot of currency on Twitter, yes. right? Um, it was the story of a high school football team called Bishop Sycamore that played IMG Academy, who were the biggest, fanciest, they're the kind of like the Lakers or whatever of high school football, live on ESPN at the Hall of Fame Stadium, like one of the most prestigious football school stadiums in America, and they got demolished. It was so embarrassing and bad that by halftime, the entire internet was blowing up because not only was the game embarrassing, it was so embarrassing that the the announcers, the radio, the you know the commentators, who were being paid to promote the event by ESPN, effectively, they were so embarrassed by what they were seeing, they started kind of investigating as it was in real time as it was happening because a kid tore his ACL in the first quarter. They didn't have his name or his number <laughs> on the roster that they'd been given right like kids kept getting hurt they kept going down img could literally score at any point they wanted to like they just stopped trying it was not a uh it was not a fair game and so then as the announcers start looking into it so does twitter all in real time right and they start discovering that 
There's no real school here. There's no physical school. No one's ever graduated from this school. The kids had played a game two days before. The same kids that are playing this game. I played it two days before. And then they find out that the coach has an outstanding domestic abuse warrant. They find out that he's got like 20 plus lawsuits, that he's had a previous school that was shut down. And this, the kind of the torrential energy that kind of goes around this thing. And then the key thing that Twitter loved beyond everything is they discovered that a lot of these players weren't high school kids they were too old and they were coming back. So what you effectively had was a bunch of 15 and 16-year-olds playing for IMG, kicking the asses of a bunch of 19 and 20-year-olds playing for this fake high school that didn't really exist, that had just been set up as a scam to create a high school football team. So the internet loved it because it was obviously just so meme-worthy. And then, as Trayvon says, a friend of mine kind of called us one day and was like, hey, would you be interested in making the Bishop Sycamore film? Um, and we were like, well, I mean, maybe who, do, you know, who do you have? And they're like, the main guy, the guy who did the con, he wants to talk. And we're like, what? No way. There's no way that guy wants to talk. That would be madness. And it's almost like he didn't stop talking throughout the entire documentary. There are so many times where I was like, does he know what he's saying? Could you, could you two talk about the experience with that? Because so many times when me and Sarah look at documentaries, usually it just says in a little bit at the top of the film, like, uh, XYZ chose not to comment on it. Quite the contrary for BSI. <laughs> no, he couldn't stop commenting. I mean, what was it like to interview someone who was like lying? <laughs> it's challenging because, you know, Roy is trying to run the same con on you that he ran on everyone else, which is to charm you into liking him and believing him. And it's it's pretty effective if you don't know how to protect yourself against it. And mm-hmm. you can feel yourself wanting to give in to what he's giving off because it's so well-crafted and it's so charming and he's so good at it. And But you also know, like, there's just no way this guy is telling the truth. And that's where you kind of have to remind yourself to lean into, you know, what you're here for, which is to find out, you know, what's really going on and what really happened. And that was why I think we wanted to talk to Roy first and then talk to everyone else and then come back to him with what we found, because that was going to be the most effective way of telling this particular story of going, taking the audience on the same journey that everyone who encounters Roy goes through, which is you experience the man trying to win you over, trying to con you. And then you go find out what he actually does and who he actually is. And then you confront him with that information. And so that was kind of how we approached trying to, you know, deal with someone who's probably going to lie to you the entire time. I also love the moment halfway through when he storms off because he wants a break, but is still filmed on camera shouting and then comes back to talk more where you're kind of like, because even in the beginning of the documentary, people are like, this is probably his dream. He he loves himself. And of course, like, just like narcissistic behavior. Like he's like, oh, this is a perfect layup for him to think that he can form a web of lies that will be like, oh, Max is going to, the audience is going to just see that me... I'm a hero to these people, only to realize that doesn't work anymore. When it comes to the plant-based eating debate, there's more to consider than just healthy or unhealthy. Of course, we want to eat things that make us feel good and generate energy to keep us going. But there's also a major environmental component that drives a lot of people to a plant-focused diet. But you don't have to give up some of your faves entirely. Impossible Foods makes meat from plants. They're solving the meat problem with more meat. By creating delicious meat from plants that's better for you and the planet, Impossible lets you enjoy some of your favorite meaty products with a plant-based twist. Ground beef? 
homestyle meatballs, sausage patties, all made from plants. And that's just a few of their delicious and versatile options. No more tension between craving meat but not wanting to eat so much of it or sacrificing your carnivorous faves for your health. Indulge in nutrient-packed, plant-based goodness and feel good doing it. Check out impossiblefoods.com to see how you can help solve the meat problem with more meat. That's I-M-P-O-S-S-I-B-L-E-F-O-O-D-S dot com. In the market for investment-worthy bags, watches, and fine jewelry, Rebag is the answer. Rebag is a luxury resale platform where each piece is carefully inspected by experts to ensure quality and authenticity. Use Rebag to buy and sell finds from the world's top brands, including Louis Vuitton, Chanel, and Cartier. Head to Rebag.com to get 5% off your first purchase with code REBAGNEW. Shop today at Rebag.com. That's R-E-B-A-G.com. And use promo code REBAGNEW for 5% off your first purchase. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. What I love about Shopify is basically how no matter how big you want to grow, Shopify gives you everything you need to take control and take your business to the next level. I know we use Shopify here at Betches, and honestly, anyone with any kind of business could really benefit from Shopify. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere from their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout, 15% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. And sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklyn, and, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning 24-7 help is there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com betches, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash betches now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash betches. Give you two sort of inside things that aren't, that didn't make it in the film or speak to that. One is that wasn't the first time he stormed out. <laughs> I think that was maybe the, like, it was definitely at least, I think it might have been the third time. The first time he stormed out, that we filmed him first, as Trayvon said, we did three 12 hour days, like 10 hours of interviews each day. That was how we started the whole project to kind of get his side of it. And then we went off and fact checked that with everybody else. So about halfway through the first day, he storms out of the room. Again, we ran, we picked up the cameras and ran after him and, and he got into his car and he called his girlfriend at the time. And he's like, I don't know. I don't know how to be vulnerable. How can I be vulnerable? <laughs> We're like filming. He, he knows his mic is still on, right? He knows he's being oh, filmed. Yeah. Like, it's not one of these things where like, he's wearing the mic. He's very savvy, you know? So it was always theater. You know, the one that we put in, yeah. the one that we put in the film was the least theatrical because that's, you know, when you see it in context of the film, that's when we really tried to, because one thing we didn't want to do with this film, there have been so many of these kind of con person stories. And we loved it. We took it on for that because, I mean, there's no kind of more American character in all of literature than the kind of the carnival con man, right? The kind of mm -hmm. P.T. Barnum, Donald Trump, kind of like fake it till you make it, lie and tell, tell the suckers what they want to hear. Kind of it's such an American character. And Roy is. So to have access to that person was like, you know, but we wanted to make sure we held his feet to the fire. 
and we didn't just make it fun. And so the moment that you're talking about, Danny, in, in that when he we showed him a video of because his whole defense all the way through the whole thing, I think his defense to this day is we did good by those kids. We did good by those kids. They're just yeah. ungrateful. We did good. And we're like, well, if that's true, then why does every single kid you ever spoke to say this about you? And the craziest thing of all is that at the end of that three days, we we're like, which kids should we talk to? Roy, like, let's, we'll start with the kids that you think we should talk to. We're not, we told him, we're like, we're not here to do a gotcha. We're not here to kind of like take you down. We just want to find out what happened. Tell us who to start with. Yeah. The kids who's like, who told us point blank that he ruined their lives are the kids he told us to talk to. <laughs> like we talk, we talked to some other kids as well, Mario and, uh, and Isaiah, some of the kids in there, but like the majority of the kids you see in the film are literally the ones he told us to talk to. I oh. have to imagine he's had some words since <laughs> this has all come out. Has he reached out to you guys? Oh, yeah. Not to me. Yeah, he reached out to me all the time. You know, if you're listening to this, Roy, please leave me alone. <laughs> uh, I've, stopped, I've, I've had to start replying because because it's not sincere. He's obviously furious with us and confused, and, and but he writes these very kind of sweet messages, but he's just trying to engage. He's, <sighs> I think Roy fundamentally is of the opinion that nothing bad ever happens to Roy, even if he, mm. even, he just had to declare bankruptcy the week before the film came out. He owes like what, half a million dollars, million dollars in, in loans? I forget what it is now, like, um, like yeah, somewhere like that. Somewhere like that. Like, 30 open lawsuits like i mean the man's like he can't have a bank account he can't get a job he can't but like in, my, in his mind he's still winning right and so it's mm-hmm. this incredible disconnect like the amount of work it takes to be a con man the amount of emotional labor and like practical like how many lies you have to remember and all this kind of stuff it's like if he just tried to get a real job <laughs> uh he could be he's super smart and charismatic he just he chose to take advantage of kids instead of getting a real job which is a real shame I know it is that interesting thing. I feel like watching uh, con artist documentaries and everything like that, you realize how maybe not to like always those extremes, but you like start to look around like the people in your life that's like, oh, you kind of are giving me a little bit of that where it's just kind of what you're saying, like nothing can go wrong with them or there's always like the little spin on it. Does it go, like watching this? Are you kind did you guys also have moments where you're like, Oh, maybe I should stop inviting that one friend to brunch. Or oh, I mean, I mean, <laughs> I mean that that one friend was like some parts of me, <laughs> right? Like that's real. Like, that's real, like, though. super yes. real. Like I was like one thing I told him at one point. I was like, dude, if you came and got a job in in media as opposed to like with children, like something where like where, where there is value in telling stories and creating emotional narratives and and like as opposed to like. Uh, I think that's part of the fascination with con men, right? Is we all know that we tell the best version of ourselves lots and lots of the time, right? Like that, there's nothing inherently wrong with that. In fact, in many, many situations in life, it's the healthiest thing to do to present the best version of yourself. However, when it becomes an obsession, when you are unable to actually have any moral touch points where you're like, hey, am I just lying right now? Am I, am I presenting the best version of myself or am I delusional? Like the, you know, the Delulu kind of <laughs> uh, scales, he, he just, he just, he, he, he wasn't putting any, any, any weight on them. But yes, I think it is. When you watch these con man shows, you're like, I mean, it's bad, but go on. I hope you get away with a little bit of it. And I think, you know, uh, there are times like right? that. Yes. Like, not, I think that's why, I, I, like, you know, when I watched the Firefest thing or whatever, I was like, 
I really hope this party's either amazing or a complete shit show. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but it's like what you said too, where it's like when like watching like an Anna Delphi documentary, I'm like, okay, she's scamming billionaires and she's just being silly right. in like like the Lower East Side. Who who among us has? <laughs> but versus like versus like uh when you're like, oh, these are you're jeopardizing the future of like children. It's when you're like, you have to if you want to con and have anybody on your side, you need to pick uh, you need to like reevaluate how you do it. Yeah, Bomani, Bomani Jones' <laughs> character we have in the in the film, he says it perfectly. He's like, he's like, look, you know, in America, TV is everything and fame in it, but like, even infamy has value, but not infamy where you're mm. taking advantage and damaging the lives of children. There is actually a line there. And as Trayvon said earlier, what we wanted to do, the way we shaped the film, is we wanted to make sure that it didn't feel heavy-handed. Like it wasn't like, oh, bad man, blah, blah. We wanted to show you what it felt like to be charmed by Roy. Because it's extremely appealing when he does his thing. You know, you can see why these kids fell for it and why the parents fell for it, you know? And Trayvon, you were saying that you've been following sports like your whole life, like from like high school, college, football, everything like that. Had it made you like open your eyes in any way or did you already kind of like were attuned to like how athletes are treated, even when it's in a all things are going according to plan? Technically, you know what I mean? Not to this extreme, but did it kind of make you look at how the athletic industry in that regard shapes kids for better or for worse? I mean, I, I played AAU basketball, so I knew how dirty and dangerous and crazy high school sports can be for kids and even college sports. And so the story in and of itself was familiar because of the nature of how they were conned, which is what you dangle, the carrot you dangle in front of them mm. is the carrot that gets dangled in front of a lot of kids in high school, except oftentimes, most of the time, that carrot that's being dangled actually has real value behind it if you can grab it, if you can get it. Whereas in this case, Roy took advantage of the facts that that carrot dangling happens to these kids, but there was no nothing to offer. There was no there was no real carrot there. There was nothing for the kids to actually obtain. He couldn't even afford a carrot. <laughs> he didn't. He, he did, but the, the Bishop Sycamore budget did not even extend to a single carrot. <laughs> he told them there. He told them there were going to be carrots to be dangled. Yeah. yeah. Once he's once the money came in, but the money never came in for the carrots to be dangled. There's going to be a whole. So, going to be a whole carrot it, farm, you know. And it just. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. No. So I mean, it was that that whole system is the is super familiar to me, and it was why this was so appealing to do because I had never seen. Of all the things I have seen, I never seen anyone be taken advantage of in this way, where it was just a complete scam, a complete con in the way that it was. And so that was what made it such a fascinating story to want to tell on top of the fact that, like, I know so many kids like them. Like, I know I grew up with kids like them. I've seen how brutal and how bad it can be when, like, like we were saying, when the carrot is actually real. Mm -hmm. So it's even more brutal when you end up not making it and then you find out that you never could in the first place mm. that even if you had done the thing right there was still nothing going to happen for you yeah. and that's the the sad part where you you realize they lost no matter what mm -hmm. i was really shocked like watching the footage of that game that number one any old high school could just be like oh yeah we're gonna play the biggest football high school and also just that nobody stopped the game as these kids were getting injured left and right the helmet yeah, yeah that yeah the helmet shit it's crazy right like i mean I, that's why that's i honestly think there is no story here so uh, ben Faree, who if you've seen the film is this kind of uh, he's the most amazing nemesis that if you imagine roy uh, the coach is this kind of deeply charismatic kind of uh, con man 
he has a nemesis in this guy, Ben Faree, who's a very by the rules kind of nerdy kind of, uh, he works for the Ohio State Athletic Commission. Um, anyway, he'd been telling them for years that this thing was a scam and it was dangerous and it shouldn't happen. Nobody cared. And I think the only reason that we're sitting here with you guys right now is because the announcers couldn't help themselves, driven by that fierce error. They were like watching this thing. They're like, this is immoral, right? Like this should not be happening. It's not, they're not playing basketball where you're getting outclassed and so you're losing 80 nil or whatever. You're playing football. So you're smashing into people who are hurting you over and over and over again. And, you know, I think the other thing as well, like kind of following that thread even further is that like, you know, we're sitting here on your, you know, wonderfully, not another true crime. Uh, we did not expect when we got this job, even when we sort of started learning about it, we're like, this thing's going to be mostly funny, right? This is mostly funny. This is a bunch of idiots that kind of, you know, we joked, they were like, they girl boss too close to the sun. You know what I mean? They just, <laughs> they just, <laughs> that's kind of what we thought it was going to be. And then the more we got into it, the more we realized, like, oh, like, no, this is just a litany of crimes. They're small. Mm-hmm. Almost all of them are small, but in volume, this is a criminal enterprise that is endangering not just the futures of these children, but also their physical health right now. Um, and that's where, you know, to go back to your point, Sarah, the idea that these untrained, ill-prepared children could be playing against the best in the country. That's something that is effectively one step down from a combat sport. And that not only was it allowed to happen, they were fulfilling a market gap <laughs> it was when we spoke to the guy that does the matchmaking. He's like, oh, these guys are perfect. Everyone knows they're going to lose. Everyone knows they're going to get destroyed, but at least they're going to take the game. And you know, one of them might play, mm. do one play that's good, and that might get them a college scholarship. And you're like, okay, so you, you're sending these 40 kids out there, 39 of them are definitely going to get hurt, and one of them might get something, but probably not. And they're all going to get... Like, it's this. M- it's like Squid Game. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's totally like Squid Game. <laughs> hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. I feel like your guys' backgrounds are very humble because if I won an Oscar recently, <laughs> I when I when I would log on to a Zoom, it would just be, I'm like, oh, I'm sorry, was that in, the, was that in my? I'm so sorry, I, this, the camera angle was off. Uh, so congratulations on that. But I'm also, are you guys? And I was reading on the Hollywood Reporter article, I think uh, Trayvon, that you were doing, how like that was in COVID, and now this with like some potential Emmy buzz definitely coming up with the strike and everything. But are you? You guys have had such a claim with these documentaries you're doing, and I just have to imagine there are more on deck. Do you feel like, are you kind of like in a space right now where you're like seeking out more stories? Is there already stories that you're aware of? Ones that you're like, guys, like everyone should be talking about this? I mean, we kind of just gravitate towards what's interesting to us. And a lot of things come our way that we end up saying yes or no to, mostly no's, because I think the reason why what we do ends up being so high quality is because when it comes to documentaries, you need a lot of honesty and you need a lot of openness and you need subjects who are a part of a story who are going to actually talk and, and, and talk in a way that is worth your time as a viewer. 
And that to me, I think is the most important thing. There's so many documentaries that try to tease you into thinking they're going to talk about some big salacious thing that happened or some crazy story. And you watch it and it's like, you don't even have half the people you need Mm. to make the story interesting. And so if I'm going to ask you to spend 90 minutes of your time, or if it's a short 35, 40 minutes of your time with this subject, it has to be worth it. It has to be the thing that you need from that story, from that particular thing. So I think that's why we're so picky about what we take on in terms of in terms of documentaries and, and subject matter because it's going to take us two years, a year and a half of our lives to make this story, and it should be worth it. It should be something that is that has the impact this film has had on people. Which you know we we wanted it to be good, and we hoped people would like it. We couldn't, we didn't anticipate as as much love and, and uh, enjoyment people have gotten out of it, but it's it's what we set out to do at least. And I love that you were saying too, like dedicating the time to it and just having what is needed to tell the story properly. Because I do feel like, and I mean, not putting down any other documentaries, but there are a lot of times me and Sarah will go to watch one and it's like an eight part thing. And the first three parts, I'm like, well, okay, I don't know why we had that there. And then we get to the end. I can think of one right now. And I feel like there's ones where you're like, okay, that was like an hour long thing about just like beaches, which I don't... I. I love a vacation. I don't know what's going on here. And you get to the end and you feel there's no answers or anything like that. And even I loved like, so I love just how you guys really put the entire documentary together because like, while there wasn't like a little like ribbon with a bow, because it's a story that doesn't have a bow and you were able to really give needed updates and to let people know. I feel it was a very satisfying watch in the sense it left me just like infuriated that the story happened, but like, and really I feel people are going to be like more cautious about if anything like that could happen again. That was the hope is that people will see it and want it to not happen ever again. (laughs) I was also curious about like some of the parents that you spoke to. Was that something that was difficult was like trying to get access to the parents? I think, I think the parents don't get enough sympathy or understanding for what they actually went through. Like I see a lot of, people online blaming the parents and and want to put the blame on the parents. But like, you don't understand what it's like to have your kid in front of you going, mom, this is my opportunity to do the thing that I've always wanted to do. Please don't stand in the way of that. Mm -hmm. Like, and at the time that this is being asked of them, they don't know it's a scam. So of course, if you know your kid's got one year left in high school and this coach has told them, like, I'm going to, I've shown you everything you need to see is part of my scam to make you believe I can achieve that for them. Of course, as a parent, you would say yes, because every kid, like most of the kids in the movie are telling you like, mom, come on, let me do this. Mom, don't get like, don't get in the way of me. Like, this is my chance. This is my chance. And so when the parents do find out it's a scam, they all acted accordingly and they tried to mitigate as much as that as they could. And so it, it's easy to sit on the sideline and go, all these parents are stupid for letting their kids get duped. But it's like, I don't have kids and I know I can only imagine the the pressure you would feel if your kid saying, mom, this is my dream. Don't like, don't get in the way of it. And I feel like these days anybody can make a convincing website and like <laughs> yeah. have you fooled, you know, <laughs> totally, like totally. It's, if it's a new school, like what do you, well, how, how much can you investigate that? Well, and also like, you know, they have a video that shows you the $200 million school that they're going to build. They have they have legitimately a schedule against the biggest teams in the country. They were not a school, but they were a football program of sorts. Like there was no training, there was no practice, there was no game plan, but they 
did have games organized against these big teams, which was enough for the kids. Because IMG, St. Uh, Francis Academy, to, to a certain aged football player, you know, to a kid in high school, these are, this is Tom Brady, this is LeBron. These are, these are, play, these are the things they want to hear. And if you're going to be playing against them, that gives you a level of currency that, that you can trade on with these kids. And they're, the kids are blinded to everything else. They don't care about where they're staying. They don't really care about the school aspect of it. And as Trayvon says, they're going, mum, come on, mum. And also, Roy wasn't going and looking at, he wasn't talking to kids from the kind of backgrounds where there would have been the resources and time to do a full background check on this sort of stuff. He was going intentionally right. going for kids mm-hmm. that were in a position where this level of hope and this level of opportunity is a bell that rings very, very loudly because not very many people are coming to these kids' front doors and ringing any bell of opportunity or any bell, bell of hope. And that's what makes it even worse for us is that you're, you're approaching people, you're giving people hope who need it the most and you know you're lying when you do it. That's what, yeah, it felt like it was sort of like he was holding the elevator door and he's like, it's about to close, it's about to close, jump exactly. on or like you're just going to stay on the ground level forever. And watching it too, it kind of made me look at high school athleticism in like a different way. Kind, It made me realize how football could really be more of an entertainment industry in addition to sports. Cause I kept on thinking, I was like, oh, this happens also with like child stars and like people starting out where it's kind of like what you were saying, where it's like a little kid who's like, this is my dream. Cause you hear also in that type of industry too, a lot of like taking advantage and like being misguided and everything can happen. And cause I was trying to, cause at first when I was watching, I was sort of in, a mind where I was like, oh my God, the parents. But then when I finished, I was like, wow, what really could you say? Like, you're not going to be the parent who like squashes your kid, who you know is talented at it too. And you have to believe that they're the star they want to be. And I kind of realized, I was like, oh, that happens in so many different industries that correlate in a weird way. A hundred percent. A hundred percent. Because it's, it's, you know, I think in a, in a way you kind of have this thing because it's sports, it's like binary, either you're good or you're not. Yeah. And it's not like it, you, the, the village that surrounds you dictates so much of your path right i mean kobe steph you know like the, these are the kids of basketball players like you, there's so many obvious ways that you can track that it isn't just the innate ability that di- t- dictates the path right and so these kids all have that innate ability and they've been told they have it since they were kids and they've been told that it's the thing it's their ticket it's their way and then just at the point in time when they're having to wrestle with the fact that probably not just because of their own efforts or their hard work or you know partly because of a whole combination of things that path is beginning to be pulled away from them somebody turns up and goes no 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 no. all you have to do is come over here and work hard and i guarantee you got this you know that's a powerful and it is it is a bit like you know being a singer it is a bit like entertainment because you know that there are a lot of great singers in the world who've got great personalities and great style and great vibe but you need that support around you you need someone showing you the path to have a shot and that is true of sports as well i don't think i have any other questions i know i feel like i just want i feel the main question i have is for everybody listening why the hell have you not watched this yet because it's such a good documentary i really i like what it was one of the ones too where i like immediately just like texted my friends i'm like okay we i'm gonna want to talk about this when we get to dinner so like Watch it right now. So congratulations to you two because it really is so well done and just such like a story that makes like it's one of the ones where you're just watching, being like rewinding to be like, did he just say that? <laughs> is that is, is that what just happened? <laughs> oh, thank well, you. Thank guys. you so much, guys. I really appreciate yeah, it. Very much. And thank you for taking the time to chat with thank us you. too. Of course. Of course. Thank you. Have a lovely weekend. So 
Guys, watch PS High. It's on Max. And like we said before, you do not have to be a football fan. You do not have to know anything about sports. It is so, so interesting. It's really well done. And you know me and Sarah are honest about our documentaries. The long ones are that are a little too long. We tell you this one, perfection. And I mean, they were just so awesome too. And I feel like I'm just excited for what they do next. Agree. And if you want some more documentary recommendations, Follow us on Instagram at Not Another True Crime or follow me at Sarah Lameem. And you can follow me at Cashmere Danny, Cashmere the Keg. Thank you for listening. We'll be back next week. Not Another True Crime podcast is produced by Jorge Morales Pico, Sean Kilby, and Rebecca Sosmacat. Editing by Jorge Morales Pico. Social media by Sarah Levine. Be sure to follow at Not Another True Crime on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. And send all of your emails to NATC at Betches.com. Batches.